<laughs> a bit of both, Mitch. Depend on the race. Um, I was always eventually, you know, I did. I think I did seventh once in Tirreno, which is pretty good. We finished up Terminillo, and um, I'd start these races, these week-long stage races, and I'd often have in my head, let's, you know, let's keep the GC option open, but let's not, um, like, if I lose time, it's not a big problem. And then sometimes it was like, I can't do GC. It's better I sit up, lose time straight away, and then I'll have more freedom in the breakaway. So just it really depended on the race. I was very clear on what I could do and what I couldn't do. Yeah, and how, where you could best help the team. I think there's, there's uh, in cycling, there's always this thing of being from, being from, being from, but eventually there's not enough space for everyone <laughs> to be in front, as you know. <laughs> Now, you were just listening to Steve Cummings talking about the breakaway from last week's episode that I did about the breakaway theory, which not only featured Steve, but also Taco Vanderhorn, the current breakaway master, and Ben Healy, who is a newbie to the breakaway game in the World Tour, and also the flip side of the coin, Tim DeClerc, the tractor, El Tractor, who is the best guy at controlling these breakaways. So if you haven't heard that episode, get across and have a listen, because it's going to make you understand a little bit more about the breakaway while you're sitting back watching the Tour de France right now. Life in the Peloton is brought to you by our proud partner, Rafa, and Rafa is also partnered with my old team, EF Easy Post, making some outrageous kits for the men's World Tour team and the women's World Tour team. As I'm sure you've seen, the new Palace Collaboration kit that was released for the Tour de France, it's pretty crazy and I'm loving it. I'm jealous, but I'm loving it. But let's hear now from Ben Healy, who's a Neo Pro with EF and his experience so far working with Rafa. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, like growing up in the UK, you, you see Rafa everywhere and it's that like luxury kit that everyone wants, you know. Like I've always like tried to buy Rafa and you know, get the, the, the Rafa winter stuff because, oh man, you need it here in the winter. Yeah, I, I've had bits and pieces here and there and it's always been like my favourite bits of kit, but I've never had obviously like the full set. So yeah, now I'm, I'm with EF and I get all of that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty mega actually. And uh, not, not only is their kit like so good, they really invest in the community and like here in London, they, uh, they save Hernhill Velodrome, which yeah, is, is just awesome to see. You know, it's not, not just a, uh, a brand to make money you know they're really here to su- support cycling and yeah I'm, I'm definitely proud to, to wear Rafa now. Now I alluded to it last week with the Tour de France upon us our awesome Tour de France collaboration t-shirt with Swiss Cycling is almost here. Keep your eyes out today or tomorrow depending on where you're listening to this or when you're listening to this around the world. If you've been on the ground at the Tour de France, you may have caught a sneak peek of me wearing it around because you know of course I got my hands on one before you guys. It's awesome. It's the Road Less Travel Tee. We wanted to make a t-shirt to celebrate this epic race in July, but a little bit less about the race and a little bit more about you guys and the adventures of following the bike race. A road less traveled you often take to get there. We found some awesome spots along the route. Breweries, fromageries, wine regions of course, cool towns. And we've all added that on the t-shirt with an explanation of what is there. It's like the cultured Tour de France. I love how this tee's turned out. It's a super cool design by Rachel Peck, who's done all our stuff in the past. And it's always awesome collaborating with Tom at Swiss Cycling. You'll be able to shop exclusively at Swiss Cycling, coiscycling.com, and keep your eyes out on the website and Instagram for updates, lifeinthepeloton.com, 
or over at our Instagram, Life in the Peloton. Now, this week, we've got Steve Cummings on Talking Luft, one of our breakaway guests from last week. He's actually a current sports director at Ineos Grenadiers at the Tour de France so far. So guys, sit back and enjoy and look out for the tea. All right, here we are. Steve-O, we got him for Talking Luft. Now, I haven't told him anything about this, and I don't know if you've heard the podcast. It's going to be good because you're not aware of it. This is about style. Everyone's got their own certain cycling style, and what I want to do is find out a little bit about yours. Let's just get straight into it, mate. There's four topics this year. Style, a few questions. Bikes, a couple questions. Culture, and about you. All right, let's start with the first question. Caps. Caskets, capolinos, mini cycling caps, whatever you want to call them. How do you wear yours when you don't have a helmet on? You go into the sign-in, do you wear it forwards, peak down, peak up? Do you wear it backwards? Do you cut the brim off? Do you cut the top out like taffy? What is your style? <laughs> I've got no hair, so I can't cut the top off. <laughs> so if I, when I was training, I used to wear it backwards. On the way to the start, I'd wear it just peak down, classic, no messing around. With a bit of luft on. Yeah, when I was training, I'd wear it backwards so the sweat didn't drip off the, the nose because that used to crack me. Mate, that was my next question. If Without a helmet, what was your style? So without a helmet, it was backwards. Would you have the peak up, you know, as a little fender so it wouldn't fly off or peak down? Um, I'd, I'd put the peak up probably, uh, yeah. I used to train as long as I could get away with without a helmet for and then my missus got the ump, so I used to have to wear a helmet. But it was always, I'd wear a cap. And generally, it would be backwards. I used to train with my cap. Did you race? You No, you didn't race in the times without helmets. Um, If you could have raced in the time, or did you? I did actually, yeah. But um, we were did we did Saxon Tour. It's me and Wigo. And, and it was a Brit. We were racing for British Cycling, the, the track team. And uh, <laughs> British Cycling policy was you had to wear a helmet. And, but in the race, you didn't have to wear, I think it was Saxon Tour or Hessen Tour. And um, it was probably one of the last races without helmet. And, and at that stage, they the rule was you had to start with them and you could throw them off on the last climb. So we both threw our helmets off on the last climb. <laughs> it was like the novelty of doing it, you know, it's so cool because we weren't pro at the time. So I probably, when I was young, wouldn't have raced with a helmet. What would, you have st- what would your style have been, just say early 90s, would you have gone just, you know, cap, headband? Would you have worn one of those sausage helmets, you know, the leather ones? Would you have just, you know... Let the let the yeah. skull gone in the wind. What would your style have been? No helmet. I probably would have wore a cap to keep the sun off my head, and then in the final, just threw the cap away. Yeah, nice, love it. Do you still shave your legs? No, no. Right, that's good. <laughs> I was wondering that because I'm in this conundrum at the moment. It's like, why do I even bother shaving my legs anymore? You can't pull the massage excuse anymore. You know, it's like it's pure yeah, vain, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, well, to be honest, if I was riding my bike a bit more, I probably would, but I'm not riding my bike as much as I'd like. I'd get busy, but it doesn't you, fit. Yeah, if, if you're riding your bike, I'd do it, yeah, but I'm not. Tradition, isn't it, I'm going to say. It is. When you go out riding now, if you when you do go out, do you wear X-Pro kit or you like to wear like that new wave stuff, you know, slick black stuff, or you just pull out the old Barlow World stuff? Or- no, I've got to wear, I can't wear pro stuff. I have to wear, I like to wear plain sort of stuff. Uh, sometimes full of colour, sometimes black, whatever it is, depending on how lean I am in the moment, you know, <laughs> whatever you can get away with. The fact you are, the blacker you <laughs> uh, All right, let's talk about bikes. 
RMG, road bike, mountain bike, or gravel bike, one bike forever, what would it be now? I'd probably go road bike. <laughs> nice. Are you a social bunch rider or hour of power? I'm a bit of both, to be honest. Like, I, really? I, Didn't expect that. I thought you would have been social man all the way. Well, you'd like to get out yeah. and just get into it. 7 a.m. bunch, hit it, get back for a coffee at 8 a.m. If I was, yeah, it's it's one of them. I think I was still in that, like when I was training on my own, I just wanted to go and get the stuff done. I'd just go on my own. I didn't care. I just wanted to be home. Well, I wanted to do the work in the most efficient way, but now I'm like in that phase where, yeah, I guess it's quite nice socially, but it also depends where I am. If I was in Italy, I'd be fine to ride on my own. But when I'm in the UK, I like to go with company definitely now. Yeah, I would say. Do you have a Strava account? I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, am i getting rated here on what's cool or what's not? Uh, no 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 do you hunt con- I'm, I'm involved like I, I came back to australia didn't have a strava account everyone's like mate why don't you get a strava account i was like i'm not getting one of them suddenly i got one and i was hunting comms i couldn't stop myself i was going after them i, I wanted to move to this area where i am i wanted every com in the area to have my name on it that's not going to be possible but that was the idea so my next question is do you hunt the comms now, exactly the same as you, mate. When I retired, I, I literally continued training as if I was going to race the Tour de France for six months after I'd retired, just because I, I didn't really know anything else. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it was like more no- normality. And then I was like full gas, like hunting comms, yeah. Now I don't care. <laughs> I can't be bothered. <laughs> Do you have a favorite, well, you're going to have a favorite training loop out there. Tell me about it because someone's going to know it and explain it where it starts, goes from, and where it goes. Um, what's your favorite training loop? Okay, so I used to live in um, close to Quarata in Italy, in Tuscany, so it's not far from Pistoia. And I used to go towards um, Colodi. I used to do a climb that went over Colodi to Bani di Luca. And then I used to go towards Castel. Nuovo di Garfagnana. I used to go there. And then there was a climb called Passo San Pellegrino, which was 13K at 30, 13%. I remember the last 3K was like 20%. 13 like, at 13. Oh, my god! Yeah, the last 3K was around 20. And then down, and then Abatoni, and then down again. And then from um, La Lima to um, Brunetta, and then down into Pistoia. So that was like 200K more or less, but that was the loop I used to do once a week before like building up to the tour. Yeah. So that was my favorite loop. Jesus. I'm sick or what? Pretty sick. Yeah. I think it was about 4,000 4, meters climbing. It was more or less. I can't imagine anyone out there is listening going, yeah, yeah, I know the loop. I've done that one a few times. I'm sure there's people like who've done sections of it. A rider comes towards you. Are you a wave person or are you a simple, you know, nod gesture? What's your action as a rider comes towards you? Give him a wave, give him a nod, just sort of acknowledge mm. fellow bike ride. Uh, I like to, to do that. I think in Italy, you know, sometimes they're like, who are they waving at? You know, it's just a different culture because <laughs> so many bike riders around. You normally only wave if you know someone, but certainly in the UK, I think it's kind of, it's almost like etiquette. It's almost a little bit rude if you don't wave or salute another bike rider. So I always try and say hello, yeah. What's your best bike of all time? You know, maybe it wasn't the physically the best, fastest bike, but that bike you go, I don't know what it was about that bike. I just love that machine. I think, you know, um, I've got it here. The first, the, when I first turned pro, I turned for Lambo Credit, and we had the Colnagos, we had C50s and Campag mm. Records, pretty rubbish wheels. I can't remember what the wheels were, but I think that's probably, that's got to be pretty up yeah. there as like a 
cool, cool bike. Um, and as I say, I managed to f- track it down on eBay and bought it for 500 quid. It's in my, uh, it's in my shed here. So, um, your, that's pretty cool to have. Your bike or just one from that year? My bike, my, my actual bike. Yeah. Yeah. A friend told me, he said, Oh, your bike's on, um, eBay or whatever. So we had a look and it was there. 500 yeah. bucks. That's pretty good. Yeah. I think the guy didn't know what he was selling, to be honest. Hey. Yeah. Campag record, as I say. Beautiful. All right. Let's move on to culture. Favorite race? Oh, Tour de France. Favorite rider of all time? Michele Bartoli. Nice. Favorite rider, rider right now? I probably have to say Wout Van Aert. Nice. I just admire how he can do everything. And he also comes across like as a really uh, kind of cool, humble guy as well. So I like that. He can win from distance. He can win from a sprint. He can win a time trial. He, he, he could win a mountain stage. You know, he's good on Mont Ventoux. too. Wait, did he win Mont Ventoux? I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Like every, every, he just, what he does at the tour, especially last year, is just unbelievable. And then he's still there fighting in the classics and from, Cross. I don't know, January. Yeah. All year round. just amazing what he does. Yeah. I, I, I think he's my favorite rider. Favorite kit and team. And this could be, you know what? I used to really love that kit, but I really didn't like the roster or vice versa, or I just loved everything about that team. The kit was awesome. They had the best riders. What is it? I used to like Fasa Bottolo. Mm. Favorite kit and my favorite team. Yeah, there you go. That's it. I think. That's a, that's a yeah. really good combo. Great team. Yeah, yeah. Patax was yeah. there. Really good riders and, and tactically as well. They were pretty expansive. You know, they weren't always uh, quite like that. Yeah. I don't know, they had some like cool characters as well. Like Fle- I always like Fletcher as a rider. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fletcher was on there. That's right. They were like yeah. Nardello or something, did they? Yeah, Nibbly was there actually. Was he? The shark? Early days? There's a picture of him here, yeah. Unless he was like statue. I don't know. He's there. Yeah, Tozata. Well, maybe Tozata. I don't know. Was he there? Not a GC guy, but Baldata was there. Cool. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Next question. Have a think about this war story. Everyone's got one. Typically, they come from the Giro because that's just a race that creates war stories. It's one of those days where you go, you know what, this day, this, I was out the back, I was on my own, whatever it is, you know, mine always out the back because typically I was out the back quite often. What was your, yeah. what's your war story? One of those days, it normally comes straight to mind. Uh, state, when I crashed on the Porte de Ballet, I was in the group so safe, no problem crashed on the top uh there's like off camber corners and I, and there'd been a crash leading into the climb and someone had hit my back wheel and i wasn't really aware that it was damaged because we went straight onto the climb and we were moving slow and um the, the wheel locked and uh on the, the first or second corner of the downhill and the back wheel just slid out and it was really hot and i slid across the tarmac lost a lot of skin and then like whacked into fell down a drainage you know big oh, big yeah. massive v, felt really deep and landed on my coccyx, and it was uh, three stages left of the tour. I got up, and Baldata was a DS, and he was looking at me like, um, it was always like, Steve, stop, stop. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not stopping. So I got sort of back on my bike, and he wanted me to stop. His face was like, you know, he's like, you should stop. You know, it's like, stop, mate, please stop. And I was like, nah. So got on my bike, and then um, we came down, and that year we finished, maybe we finished at the top of the Parasaur that year. I can't remember because I was so bloody confused. Tyler Farrar and um, Sebastian Langeveld. Yeah. You know, like, I just remember, like, Langeveld and Tyler Farrar 
they were also a bit scared at the time cut they caught me up and they were like kind of waiting for me and i we hit the climb at the bottom and i was hanging on the ambulance and they were bandaging me up because blood was coming out of everywhere and uh they looked after me and i i just remember like i had like one leg pedaling one leg and um we came back to the gruppetto <laughs> and uh oh man i was just in bad shape but it didn't really end there because the next day I was, they were giving me, to serving me dinner in bed. I couldn't get to the dinner table. And we were like, let's see if I can start the next day. And I got on the turbo and just kind of turned the pedals. I said, yeah, I'll try and start. Started. Got through the day. I was dropped on my own. I don't know, 40K to go. And again, I was a bit scared of the time limit because there was a big breakaway in front. And then um, I had to do the time trial. And again, I was scared of the time limit because I was just, I just had nothing, man. I was just dead. That was, that's my war story. And it went on for, I was, I was literally, I lost so much skin on one side. I got home and, and because I banged the coccyx, I had pain from like my knee to my chin. And um, I I was sleeping downstairs and my wife was upstairs because I couldn't get upstairs. And uh, I had to put, have a pillow in between my legs and I, all my left side was burning. And then they called me <laughs> and said, okay, we need you at the welter. I was oh, like, no way. <laughs> I went to Welter and uh, I was dropped again. I hadn't been on my bike really. I, I dropped in the first few days and I was like, there's no way I'm going to finish this Welter. And then, uh, you know, I started getting better day by day. And then actually I won stage 14 maybe, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but every day I was, every day I was with um, that physio, like just an hour trying to, trying to get my uh, body to, to some sort of, normality but yeah it was it was bad it was horrible because it went on for so long and it was yeah it's terrible down as well i felt like i let the team down a bit it's mm. supposed to be a war story not turning into a success story jesus um <laughs> all right let's move on last topic about you bws beer wine or spirits what's your poison of choice probably a beer man really i just like um i like the social side of sitting there and sipping and having a bit of a banter and a, a beer yeah mm, nice what coffee do you drink? Are you espresso man or filter? I drink espresso, yeah. Favourite cross-training exercise if you have one? Something that you do that's not riding? When I was a bike rider, I only rode. <laughs> Boring. But uh, now I, I like running a lot, so I go, go running. Yeah, I'd love to do other stuff. I'd love to do martial arts, but um, unfortunately I don't have the time. I'm not at home consistently enough to sort of commit to the classes and I haven't got enough money to pay for private lessons. <laughs> Not as fun either, private lessons. You <laughs> want to go to a class, you want to have a few people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I like I like boxing as well actually. I did I went when I stopped um I don't know, I needed some you know, something else. And I, I had a friend who I'd met in the Commonwealth Games boxing, so I used I used to go and see him and go to the gym a little bit and um see, I guess it was just that meeting point of folk and and doing something different. I, I enjoyed that as well. Have a think about this. What is one of those races, your most rewatchable race? The race that you go, oh, you know, I just love watching that race. It could have been something when you grew up or, you know, something that you like rewatching now. It could be one of the races that you won. What's the most rewatchable race? Someone out there who may have never seen it, a race that they've got to see. It could be a stage race, could be, I mean, one stage in a race or it could be a classic. The Froome stage when he won, uh, was it stage 20 of the Giro? I think that was. It's pretty incredible, really. Incredible rider. Welcome to stage 19 of the Giro d'Italia, the queen stage of this year's race. 185 rather mountainous kilometres from Venaria Reale to Bardonecchia and the climb, the fearsome climb of 
the Jaffrell. Froome now, he goes on the offensive, he goes on the attack over the top of this final climb and nobody at the moment can go with him. Well, Chris Froome has now set this race on fire. Kenny Ellison to soften them up. The rest of the field with numerous body blows. They're all on the ropes and then whilst they're on the ropes, the hammer blow has come. Very, very sad to see Simon Yates. I'm not too sure if he's carrying an illness or something because something has happened here. This clearly isn't right. He's gone from absolutely flying, well, to creeping up this climb. So, so sad to see this. Confirmation, Chris Froome is now the virtual leader, the Mario Rosa. They had 75 kilometers to go and now under the Flam Rouge and there he is still the virtual Malia Rosa on the road. Who would have thought it at the start of today? 22 seconds to the good. But Chris Froome, masterful performance, takes the win on top of the Jaffrau. I was there. Yeah. Yeah, it was up it was up it was up the gravel climb. Um Finestra. And he went. He was three minutes behind and he went and and Yatesy lost it. It was it was a hell of a day that day. It was one of those days that you would have loved with uphill start, just rolling, bunch split. So yeah, you do you remember watching that? I remember watching it, and also that that was a cool stage. I think Paris Roubaix this year was really cool as well. And the uh, the service Carnarvon Paris Roubaix also that was pretty cool. I can't remember what year that was. So it was a wet Roubaix. Yeah, yeah. two thousand and two. That was yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Hincapi got outmarked there by Domo. Domo. I spoke to Hincapi on the podcast actually a few weeks ago and he said that he got to choose who won that Roubaix. And he said, Carnarvon still hasn't bought me a beer yet. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right. What's in, a couple of questions left. Um, mate, what's in the headphones when you chuck the headphones in? Is it podcast? Is it music? What style of music is it? Oh, I mix it up a bit, you know, like a good podcast. Um Anything that I can learn something from, I like to listen to. It can be anything. It can be really anything. So it depends what I'm in the mood for in terms of podcasts. But generally not cycling stuff, I must admit. Like other, it's not, <laughs> I think it's just because I, I work so much in cycling. I've been around it. I, I need something outside. And I think that helps me when I come back to cycling. So what podcasts do I like? Um I, I listen to sort of blinks, you know, like the they give you like a ten minute summary of. So it's sometimes just like anything really, like history stuff. I, I find it all fascinating, a bit of philosophy, mm. some crazy stuff, anything like that. And then music wise, um, I like a little bit. Of, well, I like dance music a lot, like electronic music. Mm. Um, to, to be any more specific, uh, what, what? I didn't expect you to say that. Yeah, it was kind of like a hobby of mine when I was as a bit, bit of a DJ and stuff like that. So. Um, what was your DJ name? SC. Just call it SC. DJ SC. <laughs> I, I like kind of like disco-y house stuff at the moment. Yeah, um, nice. Not, nothing like really cheesy, just sort of easy to listen to and, um, yeah, a bit funky, you know, not, nothing crazy. Just, yeah. Last question. What's the best thing about riding a bike, mate? Because you did it for so many years. You still do it now. What is the one thing that gets you back on the bike all the time? Why do you love it? I think for me – and I think it still is, and I'm finding, and I'm understanding it again in this like next phase. If you like, so you, again, go keep talking about phases. But the first phase is like discovering the bike, and it was always one word. That, that the second phase was like the racing of the bike, and now this first state is like, okay, what do I do now? And it, the one word I would say, maybe two words, is freedom and adventure. I'd say, I'd say that was the thing, and I think in my career as well, the racing career, I was always searching for freedom. If you know what I mean, that's what I wanted, freedom, and. Um, 
you know yourself sometimes it's quite prescriptive and robotic mm. world tour race uh i always wanted freedom that's why how i started the bike the freedom in terms of going on your own being away from your parents when you're a young kid going to all these places you didn't get mm. the opportunity to see and then now it's the same I, I want to go i enjoy riding my bike where i'm in new place and seeing new things mm. and that freedom and the adventure that's what it is for me bike riding freedom and adventure mate that's awesome it's been great having you on the pod and uh looking forward to seeing your arm out the window giving a bottle in the upcoming races <laughs> uh, you've given me a couple of bottles that seem to get a little bit too sticky at some points didn't they so uh forgot about that <laughs> i hadn't uh mate great to chat to you thanks mitch Well, there we have it. Steve-O, Steve Cummings, pretty great guy. Can you imagine him being your director? He would be awesome. A breakaway master, but a really cool dude. As I said, our Tour de France t-shirt is dropping today or tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this. So keep your eyes out and get your hands on that limited edition with Swiss Cycling, C-O-I-S-Cycling.com. Get across there and check that out. Or if not, check it out at lifeinthepeloton.com. If you haven't heard already, I'm over here at the Tour de France doing podcasts with the Cycling Podcast. So get across and have a listen to that on the daily episodes with Lionel and Francois Tomazo. That's been a lot of fun doing that with them. Big thanks goes out to Lara Durbridge, who's not only helping me with the podcast, but all the merchandise. She's the nuts and bolts behind that too. Will Jones, who's piecing these episodes together for you. Last but not least, Rafa, loving working with these guys. And as you can hear, the pros love working with them too. So guys, until next week, sit back, enjoy the Tour de France. Cheers. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.